Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Shooting Through with Cheryl Ryan from 123 Travel. Located right in the heart of Budrum on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, just minutes away from the beach. As a local resident and owner of 123 Travel, I've been blessed with travelling all over the world to some incredible destinations. So wherever you are, relax and let me take you on a journey. Welcome to another episode of Shooting Through. I'm your host Cheryl Ryan and this week we're heading off to northern India to visit three of my favourite hillside stations. The beautiful hillside stations offered relief for the British during the hot summers which most found unbearable. Having four generations of my own family based in India and my great auntie being schooled in the hillside station of Shimla, I have a love of the state of Himachal Pradesh and its gorgeous hillside stations. We begin the journey from Delhi as we head off by train to Kalka to connect with the toy train through to Shimla. Do not worry too much if your train out of Delhi is delayed as this is not uncommon in India and the two trains are connected to each other and the Kalka train will not depart until the arrival of the other. Your departure from Delhi will be depending on what train you wish to take from Kelka. There's a departure at 7.40 and you arrive into Kelka at around 11.45 to depart on the 12.10pm toy train to Shimla, which will have you arrive around 5.30pm. However, there are several trains that run from Kelka to Shimla early morning and to do this you'd probably need to take overnight train from Delhi to connect with the early morning trains and they all roughly take around 5 to 7 hours from Kelka through to Shimla. For me personally, I like the first class version with the better toilets on offer, fewer people in the carriages and also the brand new Shimla Vista Dome has just commenced in December 2019 with more window space for viewing and a glass top. I'm yet to try this one out but um, I'd highly recommend that one. The pleasant journey is only about 96 kilometres so it's not a huge distance but it does take that probably five to seven hours and um, that's very dependent on any delays of course along the way. It's a slow and scenic journey and you'll cover about 20 stations, 103 tunnels, 800 bridges and about 900 curves along the way so um, you'll be having that photography snapping going all the all the time. So you can see why people take this lovely train ride up to Shimla. On our first First stop is Shimla, once a sleepy forest glade until the British arrived in around 1864 and then it became the summer capital of the Raj. Every summer the entire government of India fled here from the sweltering heat down Delhi Way and further down south and for a brief time Shimla was the actual capital of Punjab. That was until of course the map was redrawn in 1966. The city itself sits on a 12 kilometre verge that surrounds its with a valley above and below. The snowy peaks uh, line the backdrop uh, seasonally from about April to June and October to November and this is when the weather is most clear and you'll see these mountains in the background so it's a great time to visit around then. One of my uh, first stops and that most people will find themselves is the Vice Regal Lodge and um, its surrounding gardens. It was built for the British Vice Royals and it's open to the public uh, and you can go inside and also outside uh, with the extensive gardens uh, you can roam around for quite a length of time. Shimla the city offers a long winding mall uh, from east to west for pedestrians only traffic 
and no smoking is allowed in this area. So it's quite refreshing to walk around a mall without any pollution or tooting horns that you normally get in India. And you can travel down below to Cart Road from the main mall area via lift or you can go via the maze of alleyways between the middle and lower bazaars. That's if you're keen on all the steep stairs. So going down is okay, but often coming back up, it certainly had me huffing and puffing. Right in centrally in the main mall, you'll find a lovely little theatre and it's worth just popping your head in the door and taking a look around. And if you're lucky enough to see a show here, that would be just absolutely wonderful. The Christchurch is located centrally and is very British and it's also the second oldest church in northern India. It was built in 1846 and it contains some of the most beautiful stained glass worth, worth a visit. On the outskirts of Shimla, you can head off and visit the Jakku Temple, which is more commonly known as the Monkey Temple, and rightfully so, as I discovered. It was dedicated to the monkey god Hanuman. Uh, entrance to the temple is uphill via a beautiful and pleasant forest, but not overly steep, and the path is well maintained. The biggest menace you'll encounter comes from the local monkey residents whose one job is to steal anything they can from you and they'll hold it ransom in exchange for food. So don't display any objects, watch your glasses, because they've been known to remove these from your face quite quickly as well. And you can hire a stick at the bottom of the climb for a small fee and I'd highly recommend this and it's worth its weight in gold. I was actually following this young couple up the path when the monkey stole her scarf actually from around her neck. She had to go all the way back down the path and get some help from one of the locals who produced bananas as the bribe and the scarf was returned promptly by the monkey. And then there was another stage I was up the top and I saw a large monkey. He was actually searching through this gentleman's pockets as he allowed the monkey to search all over him, knowing, of course, he had nothing to offer. But I must say it was a little frightening to watch and I was certainly not keen to have this type of experience at all. So make sure you've got empty pockets on the day or things well concealed. At the end of the day, it was lovely to return home to a little hotel called Clark Hotel. And I selected this one due to its central location at the end of the main mall. It's easy walking to everything from here. And it has spectacular views um, of the surrounding valley and city. However, there's certainly no shortage of choice in Shimla when it comes to hotels. So before leaving Shimla, I did get to visit the school where my great auntie Daphne attended and the local manager led me inside for a personal tour of the school on the Sunday and showed me through the classrooms. The school is still operating and quite a prestigious school as it always has been, but with much less British students and a lot more locals in attendance these days. It was strange, but also a lovely feeling to be standing in a place that my great auntie had once walked so many years ago. I sat in the small classroom and I pondered her being in this room, listening and learning and never imagining uh, in her wildest dreams that I, won, I would one day visit here and follow in her footsteps. So after leaving here with a bit of a sad heart, I headed off from Shimla and we went further north to a small village called Pragpur for a lovely couple of nights stay. Pragpur meaning country of pollen. And I stayed at a very special place here called the Judge's Court. Now Pragpur, as it turns out, was India's first heritage village to be certified in 1997. The Judge's Court has two properties, the original old three-storey building, 
which can be hired out as a full apartment. And then there is the house, which was built later, that can accommodate several guests. And it probably has about, mm, trying to calculate that, maybe about eight rooms. So we stayed there because there was quite a few of us. And so we stayed with the, with the owners, which is Vijay and Rani. Now, he is the grandson of the Justice Sir Jai Lal, who was educated in England and had the house built by his very proud father. So Vijay now, his grandson, has returned to his roots with a passionate commitment for rebuilding and renovating the original old house. On chatting to his wife, Rani, she told me about her own passion for educating women and getting them into the workforce. And Vijay and Rani talked about their work and what they had done personally for the village and how they employed many of the locals. And in particular, they employed a lot of girls in their staff. They had built at their own expense a new public toilet block in the central area of the village, which is greatly appreciated by the locals and much loved by the tourists as well. The village people have worked most of their lives in this area on bartering rather than wages. So those working for the family are receiving actual money for the very first time. So they're not only employing them, but they're actually teaching them how to save their money and how to utilise it best. So in the evening, uh, prior to dinner, I sat outside sipping on my wine and Vijay and Rani both smoking cigarettes and sipping their drinks. We watched our roti being made for dinner by the fire and I enjoyed their company and stories. They had so much to share and I was wishing that I'd booked for longer so I could spend some more time learning about the local area and about them. Dinner was served in a separate guest house with a fireplace and a touch of post-war affluence with cocktails served prior to dinner, local musicians entertaining us, butler service and lots of Pyrex dishes. You felt like you'd just stepped back in time. All very eclectic and surprising at every turn and a total delight to experience. So if you have the time, stay for at least two nights and perhaps a little longer if you can and enjoy the village. There's lots of little shops to visit and lots of artisans working there that do quite some unique things as well. And uh, you can certainly enjoy the atmosphere of the judge's courthouse. So we packed up our bags the next morning and we left Pragpur behind and we headed to my next destination. We headed off to Dharamsala, another hillside station that I'd fallen in love with over the years. Dharamsala is well known as being home to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Thousands of visitors arrive here in droves annually to attend his teachings, but many come for meditation retreats at local ashrams or even hiking in the surrounding mountains with the spectacular mountain backdrop of the Himalayas and Buddhist prayer flags floating throughout the landscape. It's not very hard to see why people flock here. Being home predominantly to a large population of Buddhists, you may feel like you've arrived in a little Tibet. I discovered Dharamsala many, many years ago when I started up a charity giving support to the local Dalek hospital here. My charity gave support to the local hospital via fundraising, donations of medical equipment and placement of volunteer doctors and nurses. Over the years, the project led me down a path to having two private audiences with His Holiness the Dalai Lama and a lunch meeting with his sister Jetson Pima. She was the very first female minister for the Tibetan government in exile and also she was responsible for the setup and running of the Tibetan children's village for 42 years, which is located on the outskirts of Dharamsala. 
She retired from this role in 2006. This was certainly an experience that I'm never going to forget. Meeting these two amazing people was certainly a, a really big highlight for me. The Tibetan culture will surround you in Dharamshala and you'll find yourself eating momos with a pleasant mix of Indian and Tibetan food. Orange robes will fill the streets with colour as monks and nuns wander the streets and temple areas. Around 10 kilometres just up the hill from Dharamshala is the small village of McLeod Gange where you'll find a complex of buildings containing the official residence of His Holiness Siddhar Lama as well as his temple next door, where he does his local teachings and also the Tibetan Museum, which I highly recommend a visit. It's quite sad as you go through a lot, a lot of photos there of people coming across out of Tibet and arriving into India, but it tells a really great story of the history. The afternoon is a great time to visit up around the Gompa area next door to the temple, and you can see the monks in their heavy debate each afternoon with loud clapping, stamping of feet, and as they try to persuade their point of view. So they do a lot of debating each afternoon, and it's quite fun to go and watch. There's a strong resemblance to the Jokhan Temple of Lhasa in Tibet, and therefore this makes this uh, temple particularly important place for Buddhists and pilgrims to come and visit or just attend a teaching. Joining the complex, there's all these wonderful small alleyway-like streets that are filled with stalls selling a mix of Tibetan and Indian gifts, trinkets, carpets, jewellery, and just about anything you can possibly think of. There's some great little restaurants and coffee shops to rest the weary legs. And if you're a serious shopper, you're going to want to find a little coffee shop at some point. The British uh, left behind the Church of St. John in the wilderness. It's located just on the outskirts of McLeod Gange, and you can walk down there or take a, a rickshaw ride uh, for quite next to nothing. Every Sunday there is still a service held here, which you can attend. And then next door you can wander, and you'll find a cemetery that contains many graves of the victims from the 1905 earthquake. And there's quite some interesting grave sites there. As a highlight of this region, there's a number of valleys on offer to the serious hikers and lots of local agencies can um, offer plenty of good tracking equipment and guides to assist you. There's also some easy day walks that are much easier on the legs and excellent if you're not into serious hiking. Lots of small villages for short walks and gentle tracks. And they're just lovely. You can wander out through these villages and along little laneways, meet some locals have some chats along the way, call in for a cup of chai, and it's great for photographers as well. So the other one is a great day trip. Head out of town uh, about an hour, is probably about an hour's drive, and go and visit the Kangra Fort. On a clear day, uh, you'll have views from the fort over the valley and the mountain views are spectacular. The fort was actually rebuilt after the 1905 earthquake, and prior to this, it was used by the Hindu Rajas, the Mughal warlords, and even by the British at one stage. And of course, locally, you can always spend your time taking a cooking class or two for a relaxing day. There's an array of classes on offer with a mix of Indian and Tibetan food choices to try your hand at. If you want to just relax and unwind, plenty of massage, yoga, meditation classes. So there's lots to select from in there. During April and May, you find a collection of festivals and performances being held at the Tibetan Institute of Performing Arts. There's also an opera festival, and this is held in late March every year. 
you just probably just need to check and confirm dates on that because it does change from time to time. One of my favourite places to visit each time I'm in Dharamsala is the Norba Linka Institute. So it's located about six kilometres from central Dharamsala and it was established in 1988 to teach and preserve traditional Tibetan art forms, including like wood carving, statue making, thanka paintings and embroidery. The centre produces expensive but exquisite souvenirs for sale in their shop on site. And the sale of the items directly benefits the refugee artists that are on site working. You can wander around the institute and you can watch the artisans at work and you can chat with them. And once you see some of the the work they're producing, you probably realise that you don't mind paying a little bit extra for the work that they're doing. The other lovely part of the institute is that the surrounding gardens have been made with a Japanese influence and are very pretty just to wander around and have a look at. There's also a central Buddhist temple with a four metre high gilded statue of the Buddha inside. So lots to see there and there's no um, pushiness to buy anything inside here at all. You can just go along, enjoy the gardens and watch the artisans at work and you won't feel obligated to buy anything at all. So on site, there's a beautiful guest house when you can, where you can stay, and each room is decorated with Buddhist murals and handicrafts from the Institute. Meals are available on site also. They've got a lovely cafe, and I can personally recommend the quality of the food and the pricing is so reasonable. A great way to end a day of sightseeing as you sit and reflect over a hot cup of chai. Last but not least, and just a few kilometres down the road, is the Gaito Monastery. And it's home to the young exiled 17th Kamapa. His holiness has lived here since around 2000. His first years were under house arrest and he was not allowed to leave India. These days he moves around much, much more freely and he travels internationally giving teachings. There are so many hillside stations in north of India, but I hope you've enjoyed the three places I've highlighted today for you. And I thank you for joining me this week, and I look forward to another episode next week as we head off over to Amritsar in the state of Punjab. That's all from me this week. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you want to support the show, then share, subscribe, and leave a review or comment. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at 123TravelBudrum and on Twitter at 123TravelAbout. You can also find all my episodes and loads of great travel information on my website at 123travel.com.au. I look forward to having you join me on the next episode of Shooting Through.